Hello and welcome to my podcast. My name is Jerry Serino and I am the host of Fides Podcast. Who am I? I'm just a guy interested in speaking the truth. What does Fides mean? I'm sure that that's what you were thinking. Fides is Latin for faith, belief, and truth. In this crazy world we live in, I wanted to bring some more truth-telling and education to those willing to listen. I want to discuss and debate those that have different beliefs so that we can understand each other and all of you can hear two perspectives. But there is only one truth, only one fides, and that is what you will find. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome uh, to Fides Podcast. Uh, I am very honored to have uh, Angelina Ireland as my guest today. Angelina is the president of the uh, Delta Hospice Society uh, in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. Uh, she has she's actually spoken at a number of um, pro-life um, organizations or conferences. Recently, she was at the uh, the Bringing America Back to Life here in Cleveland, Ohio, and I had the opportunity to listen to her presentation on the battles that she is undertaking. Uh, with the government, uh, quite frankly, uh, in regards to um, in regards to her hospice and the operation of it. So, um, Angelina, welcome and thanks for taking the time to talk to me today. Hi, thank you for having me, Jerry. It's a pleasure to be here. Great, thanks for making the time. So, I'll, let me just give you a few minutes to um, give some background on on you know what you have been dealing with, and then you um, are dealing with some somewhat new things recently. So maybe start with that, uh, just a, a, a little background into the the, med the the MAID, the medical assistance in dying and the relationship with the government and your specific hospice. Right, I mean, it's a, it's a long story. I mm -hmm. think it's a very yeah. compelling story. Um, I think we are uh, the canary in the coal mine here. Um, I speak to other groups, I speak to groups in America just to let them know that um, they should pay attention because this, what is happening to us will undoubtedly happen to them and mm -hmm. they need to understand um, how the opposition works um, and they need to be prepared. So having said that, um, we are a not-for-profit society, a private organization. We are located in Delta, British Columbia, which is about, you know, about 20 minutes outside of Vancouver here on the beautiful west coast of Canada. Um, the Delta Hospice Society has been in operation for almost 30 years and its main and sole purpose is to provide palliative care. And palliative care is a medical discipline um, which is part of the, I'll say the modern hospice movement. And it is concerned about taking care of people in their last days before they pass away. And the philosophy around it is that it provides total pain relief. So expert pain management and expert symptom management to allow people the peace um, and the time um, before they pass away. And we also are very concerned about taking care of people's families. So our mm -hmm. hospice and the programs that we provide are not only for people in their last days, but also for their families. And we welcome their families to come and spend time with their loved ones. Um, and I, I truly believe that the kind of work that we do in palliative care is a national treasure. Uh, mm -hmm. we, um, we had a very uh, influential uh, person by the name of Dr. Balfour Mount, 
who was basically a pioneer who worked out of McGill University in Montreal here in Canada. And, okay. you know, Canada has done a lot in terms of um, building up this medical discipline um, and providing uh, really the best possible existence for people um, in their last days of living. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, uh, we are presented with a legislation from the federal government back around 2016 called Medical Assistance in Dying. And this is basically, this is euthanasia. Right. Uh, the legislation itself was a amendment to the criminal code, which basically said that doctors and nurses who, you know, help people kill themselves will not be charged with murder. So it's non-culpable homicide. Okay. And from that, it went to the provinces and it said, you know, provide access for this service. So out here in British Columbia, we have a socialist government, BC NDP, they're called the Democrat Party. Okay. Um, and they really took this to heart. They kind of put it on steroids, if you will, right? To the point mm -hmm. now where every facility, every bed in this province has to provide euthanasia. And at the time that this legislation went through federally, you know, we were given sort of the message that, oh, don't worry, it's not going to affect hospices or palliative care. But it didn't take us very long to realize that we had very much to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically I think, you know, one of the things that it made me think about is when here in the United States, we, we had the Obamacare or affordable care act, and there were a lot of people that had that objected to it on many levels. And, and we can, without getting into every level, one of the areas that people objected is that having the government in control, and there was a lot of debate or discussion about what some people called death panels, right? In, in in Obamacare, I'm not sure how familiar familiar you are with that aspect, but you know there was critic criticism. You know, there's no death panels, and uh, regardless of what we want to call them, there were specific panels and individuals who would decide on whether or not a patient should receive treatment or not. And you know, again, our biggest issue or concern here in the states and was putting the government in charge and forcing, right? And it seems like that's what they're doing to you. Obviously, there's two issues. One, of uh, the issue of euthanasia, and then two, of the government control enforcing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, now, as a private society, we got into a, basically a contract with the provincial government, and that they mm -hmm. would, we went and we fundraised about $9 million to build two beautiful centers one the hospice itself and next to it is a supportive care center where we provide bereavement counseling and other programs um, you know for, for family members um, right. and uh, you name it we, we try to provide it to them and what we found when the socialist government came to power is that um, this idea of private um, is really not acceptable so they they want to give us directives as to how we should operate. And because right. we, re we rejected that and we refused to kill our patients, they told us they were gonna take all of our funding away. Now they provide us with about 50% of the funding that we use in our society a year. So it's about 1.5 mm -hmm. million. Um, that, that money that they give to us goes directly into the beds at our hospice for labor right. costs and that sort of thing to, to actually run the sort of the nuts and bolts of that, that program there. 
but they also had this little policy as well, whereby they said, if you know, a private society who contracts with us um, takes less than 50% of the money from the government, well, it will allow them to opt out and not have to provide euthanasia. So we said, okay, well, that's great because we'll take less than 50%. And that turned out to be $750,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we said, that so we should have no issue then. And they flatly refused, all out refused to even follow mm-hmm. their own policies. Right. They, rec- they said, it's going to be all or nothing. And, another, and furthermore, you will kill or you will be killed. And that's mm-hmm. what we've been dealing with since um, about February yeah. of 2020, where the government yeah. canceled our contract, said we will no longer give you any money to operate those beds. And in canceling our contract, that also meant that they would um, cancel our lease. You see, what we did originally was we contracted with the health authority here, the Fraser Health Authority, to give us a 35-year lease, like a leasehold, on which we would mm-hmm. build those buildings. Um, so we still have 25 years left on that lease, but they've come back to us and said, because you're not going to be a partner with us any longer, you're not going to be getting our money, we are going to take those buildings. So mm-hmm. we'll appro- we're going to expropriate your private assets, and we, the government, will provide euthanasia inside that hospice and you will have nothing else to do with hospice care again. Hmm. Wow, that's, it's again on so many levels that's disturbing and I think, you know, it's why so many people here in the United States are number one against socialism because this is what happens, the government takes over and even when, you know, you say, okay, well, here's the rule that you made, we'll take less than 50% and let us operate how we want Instead of them saying, wow, great, we can save money as a government, right? They, instead, they say what's more important to them is the control in, in implementing their policy of euthanasia. And that's, that's scary. And that's scary and sad. So you're, you're, you're dealing with um, you know, some lawsuits uh, right now. Actually, when I had reached out to you, you weren't even able to speak until uh, after, uh, after Monday, I believe it was, or, or a little bit after that. Uh, tell me about that. Right. So, I mean, here we have this colossal battle <clears throat> mm-hmm. against the government. I mean, it is truly a David and Goliath kind of <sighs> battle. Um, we're a small 10-bed mm-hmm. hospice. We, we only have 10 beds there. But you'd think it was like 10 magical beds, the way that the government and everybody else wants to get a hold of them. But it's only 10 beds. 10 beds that we fight for to protect palliative care. So now we have sort of a sideshow going on whereby uh, euthanasia activists um, in the community have gotten together and made a public campaign to get other like-minded people to send applications for membership to our society. And they're very vocal. They, you know, they're very proud of themselves. They've been out on Facebook. They've got a sort of a 24-7 Facebook group that you know, spends its time basically defaming the reputation of the society, defaming me personally. Um, and, you know, trying to gain members and, and inflame the community against our position. So they got all these people together, they got them to apply. Well, well, we can see, we can see their activity. It's, you know, we can see their activity on Facebook, it's public. So we said, no, no, you cannot be a member 
of our society because, first of all, you don't uphold our constitution, and our constitution speaks to palliative care and the care of the best care we can give to the living until they pass away. So you're clearly not interested in that. So this is not the society for you. You right. are better able, you know, we would suggest that you go and make your own society, you know, and fundraise just like we did and make the kind of facility that um, you can talk about euthanasia and made as being, you know, a central purpose to why you operate. That's your right. But you don't have a right to come in and try to, you know, have a hostile takeover of a society private society whose purposes are very much against what your purposes are. So we rejected them. There were about 300 applications. Well, wow. if they didn't get together um, and three members of our, of our society ended up taking us to court and they took us to court, um, a couple reasons, but the most, I think, pertinent one here that we're speaking about um, is because we rejected these members. So the Justice uh, Sheila Fitzpatrick at the BC Supreme Court ruled against us. And she ruled against us in the, in the extreme. She said, we cannot have any general meetings without the court's approval. And we have to ask the court the next time we want to have a meeting of our members in our private society. And she further said that we are forced to accept all of the members that apply to our society that the board of directors has no, right, has no right to screen them, has no right to try to determine if they follow you know, our purpose of our society, what we've been doing for 30 years. Um, and that basically we're, you know, she neutered us completely, the, the, the governing body of the society. Mm -hmm. So you know, we can't let that stand for, for a couple of reasons. The first of which is you know, we reject that she got the law right we say that she erred in the law. And second of all, if she didn't err in the law, then that law is absolutely unconstitutional. You know, to say that a private organization in Canada is forced and compelled to accept people who are hostile to its purposes, that will overtake the, the historical, pop, historical membership and then assume its assets that it's raised for the last 30 years. Right? right. This speaks wow. to uh, the freedom of association in Canada, and it speaks to the freedom of conscience. Mm -hmm. So wow. we went to the BC, the BC Court of Appeals, which is the highest court in British Columbia, and, and asked them to look at this. And so Monday, um, the court came back to us and said, okay, you have, you have applied to speak to the constitutional question here, and we will grant you that opportunity. So now we can speak to the error in the law and the fact that this kind of heavy-handed, you know, judicial um, decision is, is um, against our constitution. So this is where we, like I said, this is where we stand mm -hmm. sort of as a, you know, a sideshow to the, to the biggest show that's the, right. that we're fighting against the government. And I think it just goes to show that, you know, this battle against anybody who is concerned about the sanctity of life is concerned about um, you know, preserving palliative care um, mm -hmm. will face a relentless opposition that basically stops at nothing to crush you. Right. Uh, and we, you know, we just, again, we stand and we say we will not be bullied 
and that we will stand on our constitution if need be. Um, and we will continue to fight for the rights of private organizations and the rights for people who do not want, um, you know, people who are dying, who do not want people next to them being killed. And this is a matter of hospice sanctuary, that people have a right to go to a place to pass away in peace. Right. You know, it's, it's interesting how it almost seems as though, why can't, the, you know, you would think that they would just let you do what you want. You know, again, you know, less money from the government, you could operate how you want. Anyone else wants to offer euthanasia, go for it. But they're relentless. They, their side doesn't give up in, until they have complete control. It actually reminds me of uh, what Molly Smith said, and I had interviewed her a few weeks ago. And um, you know, she made the point of saying on the pro-life issue, she said, the other side never gives in. They never compromise with us. And, and they, they, they go further and further and further uh, sort of extreme. And it seems like this is very similar. They don't want to just let you be, let you operate how you want, follow the law. They want to take over and control. It, it's, again, it's very scary because it could be in any organization or on any issue out there, right? Um, exactly. You know, we think yeah. that you know this decision in Canada gives a carte blanche, uh, just a just a just a complete um, open door and invitation to the radical left, who are so well at organizing mm -hmm. and so obsessed to basically attack any private society um, right. and change the purpose of that society. So you know, it's a dangerous precedent. It's a dangerous precedent to liberty. Mm -hmm. um, and to just the, you know, the conscience rights of a population um, that are doing nothing these days but paying taxes, uh, but don't have any power um, to even direct you know, some of the most intimate aspects of their life. Right. Yeah. You know, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, the term slippery slope comes to mind when I think about this, you know, did, did we, you give in a little bit in the, in, you know, with why we objected to Obamacare by so much is because this is, this is just how it begins. And, um, the left in this, in this country and in Canada doesn't give up. Um, I want to kind of conclude a little bit with, um, I know you're actively involved in the overall pro-life and I think, I think the euthanasia side of it uh, has obviously a big, a big role in the in the sanctity of life. Because um, obviously, what we've talked about in your situation, there's sort of two issues. One is euthanasia the aspect, and the other is the government forcing and controlling and and doing what they're doing. Um, you know, we live in a society where we get very upset if um, someone of a different race is treated differently, and rightfully so. And yet we live in a country in which, you know, obviously we abort babies. We've seen undercover video of you know, people selling baby parts. Uh, we've heard the here in the, the States, the Virginia governor talk about letting a baby die if it's born alive. Um, you know, to me, this, this is just another issue of our overall society's belief in value of human life. Yeah. And you know, allowing someone to, to die, as you said, with the proper care and die naturally. Yeah, you know, I see this euthanasia battle is the new frontier, right? This mm -hmm. is the new frontier in, in the, the state and, you know, certain individuals' ability to kill. Um, it's almost mm -hmm. as if they are drunk on this power of life 
and death. Yeah. Um, and so this, you, I, I believe that there's a number of states now in the United States that have uh, allowed euthanasia, that have passed laws um, mm -hmm. allowing euthanasia. Um, I, you know, this is, this is an incredibly slippery slope. Just, you know, four years ago, we started here in Canada with legislation that said, um, you know, you have to have a foreseeable death before you can consider, uh, you know, applying for euthanasia. Now, the, go the government has introduced legislation whereby you don't have to have a foreseeable death any longer. You just have to be in a, you know, an intolerable situation, meaning mm -hmm. that you don't even really have to be sick. Right. You know, what is an intolerable situation? Um, the disabled, for example, um, people with um, Alzheimer's, um, right. the homeless, that's, that's a pretty intolerable situation. Um, right. You know, mature minors who uh, in this country, in this province, can um, decide their own medical care at, at, at 11 or 12 years old. Um, and they don't have to tell the parents, right? right. So they, right. you know, they break up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, they're absolutely devastated. They decided they can't go on any longer. That's really intolerable situation for them. Mm -hmm. um, what's to stop someone, you know, like that from applying for, for euthanasia? And they don't even have right. to tell the parents. Just get yourself right. a call one day that your son or daughter has decided to end it. You know, this right. is just your courtesy call. I mean, this is what this is why we have to be take this very seriously, mm -hmm. um, because it starts with the mercy killing. Right. And it ends with, um, you know, huge uh, pieces of our very vulnerable populations being at risk. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, some people listening to this could possibly say, oh, come on, you, you, we're never going to get to where a, a kid who breaks up with their boyfriend would would you know, be able to do this or this or that. And the fact is, is it absolutely can happen. I mean, so much of what we're seeing today in so many areas um, 20 years ago, we would have said, oh, that'll never happen. And yet here it is yeah. on, on a lot of levels. And so um, it is very real that the next step is the government saying, yeah, this person is, is sick and uh, it would be very expensive to care for them. And they're dying anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, wh why should we even wait? Let's just let's just end it. Yeah. Who's to say, you know, it is not by any means impossible that we get there and that's why we have to to molly's point you know we can't give in even a little bit because then that little bit adds up each year in a sense uh and then we we, we look at ourselves as a country but we don't even recognize which is pretty much gotten there indeed indeed it's a slow yeah. drip to yeah. a normalization of being able to kill that it's just mm -hmm. part of the culture there's no you know it's not a big deal um, and all kinds of, uh, you know, excuses can be made. Um, and I'll have to tell you that the, the, big, the, the most um, interesting, disturbing one that I have heard thus far is this idea about sustainability. Um, that euthanasia is actually a very um, important pillar to this whole idea of a sustainable planet. Right. And that comes from, you know, like the UN agenda, whereby uh, people are starting to say, oh, I've lived a good life. Time mm -hmm. to go. Right. You know, that's, it's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have to stand as difficult as it is, uh, because it's never easy to stand up against the progressives or the left. 
-hmm. because they're 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 um, they come after you on a personal level. Mm -hmm. uh, they will dox you. Um, they will make your life absolutely miserable. Um, but we have got to get tough, and we have yeah. to just you know we have to say no matter no matter what, we have to stand for our values. Uh, because if we do not stand, then our values will be eroded to the point where we will not even recognize them as being in existence. Yeah, that no, that's a great, great way to sort of end it. I, I completely agree. You know, uh, we see a lot about, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, of course they do. And all lives matter. We have to have a value of human life at every level, regardless of rich, poor, sick, not sick, uh, any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, our biggest concern here in the United States is the whole uh, pursuit of socialism. It, it's out of the closet now. That's what they want. And all of these things are intertwined, to be quite frank, um, as you mentioned about um, a, a sustainable planet. You know, that's what the whole global warming messages. That's what the whole population control is. And then all, all of these things they want to do justify that. Right. Yeah. And it's very sad. And people need to, as you said, stand up and fight. Um, so, well, well, Angelina, I want to thank you tremendously. We'll finish here. And, um, you know, I, I know you, as you mentioned, you're attacked personally, and that's very, very sad to me uh, that that you're fighting for life and you're being attacked. And uh, I think, you know, obviously the, the pro overall pro-life side is attacked uh, constantly. And you're right that we do have to fight back. So um, I wish you all all the best in in your fight. Um, I would love to, you know, have you back on, especially if there's uh, some new changes or movements um, and news um, in regards to your issue. We would certainly, I'd love to, to hear from you about it and, and publicize it so that people know what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll keep you updated um, as to okay. when our hearing is and the results of that hearing. Um, and then, uh, you know, you know, for us, it's been a uh, already started, I guess, couple of years ago <laughs> this whole panel mm -hmm. really started about a couple of years ago so it's just a yeah. continuing saga of a tiny little 10-bed hospice that um you know is not going to give up and uh you know one day i hope to write a book about this um and just give everybody you know more details in terms of uh what you know what it what does it take these days um mm -hmm. to to, to truly stand up and defend the sanctity of life. Um, yep. And uh, we need warriors and we need people to mm -hmm. be strong and to be brave and to put on that armor. Um, and the more of us that stand to defend, uh, the more successful we will be. So I encourage everybody, you know, join us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll post a number of your um, links and things like that uh, soon. And, um, and then people could find out even further, a little bit more information um, about what you're dealing with, because uh, you know it's it's right here in America as well. So, uh, Angelina Ireland, uh, the president of the Delta Hospice Society, uh, thank you so much for being here and uh, sharing your story, and we wish you all the best. Thank you, Jerry. Bye bye. Bye bye.